Well, amen. Good morning. How are we doing today? Awesome, guys. So glad that you're here. Well, um, my name is Michael Farage. I'm the uh, worship artist director here at Kensington Church. And uh, we decided that we'd love to just uh, spend a few minutes today singing out. So we just want to invite you guys to stand. And we are going to sing a song together called Lion and the Lamb, which we've done before. So we just want to encourage you guys, as you catch on to the uh, melody, go ahead and sing this out.
Please be seated. Please be seated. I always wanted to say that. Good morning. Good morning. How y'all doing? Wow. Is it that cold out there? Okay. Look, you got to look at the positive in life. Okay, look, I get to wear one of my three pairs of pants and one of my two sweaters, right? So that's, that's a good thing, right? You dust off the moths and you get to wear them. Okay. Yeah, it's cold out there. Everyone here gets a thousand internet points for coming out in the cold. Okay. You can use those later. My name is Keith Valentine. I'm one of the volunteers here. Thank you so much for spending part of your Sunday with us. If you're new here, would love for you to get in touch with us. Let us get in touch with you. You can start at the starting point booth at the, after the service. You can ask any questions, get connected, um, give us your information so we can get you connected with what we got going on. I got a few announcements before we jump into the day. Um, the first one is the men's Bible study called Dig. First Wednesday of every month, we're going to be starting a men's Bible study at 6.30 in the morning at uh, Village... Uh, Winter Garden Village Inn. Sorry. 6.30, 7.30. I lost my mind there for a second. Um, uh, first Wednesday of every month. And it's just a time for us men to just dig into the Bible together. Bill Malott's going to be leading us through some, some good stuff. So I'm just inviting you to come and enjoy that with me and some of the other men at this church. Help us get connected and start the new year off right this Wednesday, 6.30. Uh, Winter Garden Village Inn. And secondly, we're going to be starting a new series starting next week. I want to show you a quick video of what that's going to look like. That's going to be a really incredible series. We just talk about the things that we crave, that we just can't do without. And Kevin's going to unpack a lot of things. So that's the rest of this month. I hope to see you guys here. Before we jump into the service today, though, I'd love for you to stand up, say it to the person next to you, and ask them what they have planned for New Year's. Well, happy last day of 2017. This is it. It's over, right? This is it. Well, uh, my name is Kevin Valentine. Welcome to Kensington. I'm the lead pastor here. Thank you for spending part of your last day of the year with us. And um, it has been a year, hasn't it? 
I mean, have you guys thought back on 2017 yet? Um, so much has happened. I, I kind of sat back this morning and just started thinking through what has happened in 2017 because so often we're, we're focused on just such a small slice of life. And so I went back and, and nationally started l- looking at some things in our nation that have happened. And I don't know if you knew this, 2017, we got a new president this year. Um, I don't know if you guys knew that. Maybe you heard. Um, uh, I think everybody's heard around the world. Um, the, uh, the, the iPhone X came out. Anybody iPhone X? Anybody? Anybody excited about that? Any, any iPhone people out there? Let me hear you. Okay, there's some iPhone people. Now, opposed to you, just by nature, are um, Google and Android people. Any Android users out there? Anybody? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, weaker and smaller, but that's okay. It's normal. Um, uh, the Google Pixel 2 came out this year. Uh, the stock market hit all-time highs, unemployment, like all-time lows. Uh, you know, it's interesting. Wonder Woman made a comeback this year. Any Wonder Woman fans out there? Huh? Good, yeah, from back when I was in, like, high school and middle school. Um, uh, Luke Skywalker made a comeback. You guys like that? Anybody see the movie yet? Let me ruin it for you. Everybody dies, okay? Um, uh, as usual, nationally, everybody cares about this. My Detroit Lions did not make the playoffs, as usual, like everybody cares. Uh, we, have, we have this um, Me Too movement going on in our culture. It's really changing our culture right now. There's a lot of stuff that happened in 2017. Now, when you get, go from nationally to locally... I don't know if you knew this. I was looking today. Forbes uh, did, a, did a, uh, a study this last year. Orlando and the surrounding areas is the second fastest growing city of 2017. Crazy what's going on around here. Just drive down a street. There's growth. Um, we are first in projected job growth for 2018. It's like we're, we're in a booming area. Um, they finally finished expanding um, the 535 and 429 uh, intersection up here. You know, it like, took them a year to add like a lane or two. Um, it took them a while, but they finally got done with that. Uh, Pandora opened at Disney. Anybody excited about that? Pandora? Not that much. Okay. Anybody Disney people here? Disney people? My gosh, people. Um, we are a week away from running the Disney marathon. Any marathoners out there? Half marathoners? Let me hear you. Man, I hope 2018 is better. <laughs> All right, how about this? How about everybody in here cheer for the people running the marathon next week? Yay! Um, now, why I say that is because we run marathons here at our church for a very specific reason. It's to get clean water um, to a people group that we have adopted over the last decade or so called the Pokot in Kenya. And um, a, lot, a number of our people are running next week to raise money so we can put clean water wells in there. And our dream is to get um, clean water to all 1.2 million Pokot um, that live in the Rift Valley in Kenya. So, so I'm excited about that next week. I want to make sure and mention that. Um, uh, let's see what else is going on around here. A new Walmart opened up over in Horizons West. I mean, come on, it's Walmart, right? One of my favorite stores. Um, my Orlando Magic are doing what they do. Start out 13 games, they're awesome, and then pff, like my Detroit Lions, I don't know what the deal is. They need a better chaplain is pretty much what they need. Um, uh, I'm just kidding. I'm trying my best, people. I'm trying. Um, but then, then I started just thinking personally, 2017. Uh, we got a, we, we got one. We have a 15-year-old now that has his driver's permit. We got one. It came in the mail. It was great. Um, no, it's like he, Garrett has his driver's permit. We haven't crashed yet. So it's like, hey, it's been a good year so far. 
Uh, 18, he starts driving. And if I can say no crashes by end of next year, it's been a good year. Uh, so Garrett did that. We got a new family member this year. We actually got a uh, guinea pig named Snickers this year, um, which is a big deal for us. Like we don't do pets. Like we had a dog until we had our third kid. And then we went, man, this is just too many mouths to feed. Which one's got to go? Dog gone. Okay, that's what we did. Um, and so we gave the dog to a good family. He wasn't gone. He, he lived at like 12 or 13 years old and great life. Um, all that stuff uh, on a beach somewhere in the Bahamas. I don't know where he went. Um, but uh, uh, let's see, 2017, I, I gained five pounds in 2017, and I, I can't get it off for some reason. Like at the beginning of 2017, I had this dream of having my weight start with the number one in front of it, and uh, that dream has changed for 2018. I'm hoping to have a zero in the second number, okay? You can figure that out. I'm just hoping for a zero in the second number at the end of this next year. I think I can do that. Um, let's see, my mom became an Uber driver this year at 74 years old, super cool. Um, she, uh, she's got her own following now, like people call her on her own and say, hey, I need a, need a ride. She's like reverse driving Miss Daisy, that's what she is. Miss Daisy drives you instead of you driving her, that's what she does. Um, our next door neighbor of six years moved out from next door to us. And right now of the five houses on our street that are like adjacent to ours, um, three of them are empty. Um, I'm, I'm beginning to think it's us. I don't really know, but it's like, wow, uh, this is weird. And I'm, I'm pretty sure this year, another five to 10% of my hair turned gray. It just, it's a recurring thing. And I see those just for men commercials. And I'm like, I just kind of wistfully go, man, could I, could I? no, I can't do it. I can't do it. Cause you would all know you go, Hey, uh, mm, what are you doing? I'm nothing. Nothing, not doing anything. But, but, but here's what I love about having our last service of the year be the last day of the year. Um, it's because tomorrow uh, we reset the clock and we reset uh, the timetable to this. We reset it to this right here. Tomorrow's going to be 1118, um, which is a new day. Um, it's also a new year. Uh, and it is a day where you can literally draw a line in the sand of your life. And, and, and step into tomorrow and next year can be completely different than it was this year. Your next year can be better than any year you've ever had in your life. And so, so as we look back at this year and then look ahead to next year, um, I want to show you a spoken word piece that um, one, of our, one of our guys, Cody Wilson, he's one of the guys from Troy, Michigan. Um, he asks a question in the spoken word piece that we really want to spend the rest of our day focusing in on as we look at 2018. So let's watch this together. As we look back on 2017, what do we see? What are the memories that it will leave? What will it be remembered for? That new funny meme or maybe something more? The year of the inauguration, did your team win? Are we keeping score? Are we fighting for love or starting a war? 2017, the year of the walls. Because if you don't think like me, talk like me, or walk like me, stay on your side. I've made up my mind and I'm more comfortable if you don't cross my line. Just check the Facebook wall we look at every day. I see posts laced with hate and demonstrations to retaliate. Because we love to prove that you're wrong and we think this is what it looks like to be 
really strong. Posting from behind a screen. So you know, people will know what I mean. Making names into numbers and pretending like we care. Cause I posted to create awareness. I click share. But when was the last time we took the time to stare at pain in the face of the hurting? Took the time to see the humanity in the image of God and the people we pass? Not even saying hi, because we have to complete our task. And it's so easy to ask, well, how did we get here? But each choice, good or bad, starts with the person in the mirror deciding what will I live for? Will my life be used to build or destroy? What kingdom will I advance more? It all starts with the decisions that I make. Will I choose to love or demonstrate hate? And if 2017 was the year of the walls, then let 2018 be the year they all fall. Let our New Year's resolution be a revolution that screams we choose love. Flicker, flicker. And the light breaks into the night, hope on the horizon, a reason to fight. Darkness cowers at the light of Jesus Christ. This light that's flickering is starting to spread, a spark that's marked by people who become love. Living stones, building blocks of light, illuminating the earth with the good news of Christ. Unity, peace, and love. The weapons of our warfare, bullets that declare we actually care. We're not just stepping into the future, we're intentionally creating a new world. Each good deed, a building block that paints a new mural. There's no walls in heaven, and we declare there shouldn't be any here. So we stop to hear the voice of those in pain, listening to hear their stories and remembering their names. And this spark becomes a fire and this fire becomes a flame from the ash rises beauty by the power of Jesus's name. So it's important to remember change starts with me. So ask as we look to 2018, who will I be? What is the legacy that I will leave? Will I build a better future than the present I'm in or with each personal choice advance destruction? Because the truth is, if I wanna see a better world, it starts with me. So in 2018, ask, who will I be? And that's the question that we wanna spend the day on. Who will I be? Who will you be in 2018? And I love that question. Because it really is a question that we all ask at the end of a year, at the beginning of a new one. Because at this time of year, we tend to get a little introspective. Every one of us. So you've been asking yourself, who will I be in 2018? Will I become better than I was in 2017? Will I become more successful? Will I become more in 2018 than I was in 17? Who will we be as a church, as a, as a faith community? It's like in 2018, we're going to be opening up two buildings. We hope to finalize a lease on a 4,000 square foot space in Winter Garden over the next couple of weeks where we're going to be moving into and have a 24-6 facility, which means during the other six days of the week, you're going to be able to find us. We're going to have things going on all six of those days. In in August, September, we're going to be opening up a new 550-seat performing arts theater over here on this end of the campus um, that's that's going to change us. And if you haven't been back there, go drive around back there. But, but you know, part of the question is, who are we going to be in 2018? Will we go out and invest in relationships in the ones that, that, that don't know Jesus and invite people around us to meet Jesus? Will we engage God in a new way this year? What, what will I do in 2018 that will change the next 20 years of my life in the best way possible? 
And so I want to talk about the answer to that question, who will I be? Because who you will be is the sum total of the choices that you make this next year. Who you're going to be in 2018 is the sum total of the choices that you start making really today on the influences that you allow to impact you. And I'll say something that I say to student ministries. I spent 18, 15 years working with students. It's like I'd always tell them, hey, show me your friends. I'll show you your future. So let me just tell you, who you choose to hang out with this next year is going to impact who you become in 2018. And some of you already know you need to change your friends. And I'm not talking to just students. Who you will be this next year is the sum total of the decisions that you make. And every choice matters. As much as we don't think it does, it matters. Maybe you've heard it said, first you make your choices, and then your choices do what? Make you. Now, I want to read you an accident claim form printed in a newspaper in England, okay? This is a true accident claim form. Um, there's a guy that had a, 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 an accident on the job site, and he wrote this letter to explain the claim to his insurance um, uh, company. And notice the events that he lists as, uh, that all happened because of a choice that he made. Because our choices, even the little ones, have an impact on our life. And this is just, this is hilarious. But this is what he writes. He says, Dear Sir... I am writing in response to your request for additional information in block three of the accident reporting form. I put trying to do the job alone as the cause of my accident. It's a choice that he made. You asked for a fuller explanation, and I trust the following details will be sufficient. I'm a bricklayer by trade. On the day of the accident, I was working alone on the roof of a new six-story building. When I completed my work, I found I had some bricks left over, which when weighed later were, to, were found to weigh 240 pounds. Rather than carry the bricks down by hand, I decided to lower them in a barrel by using a pulley which was attached to the side of the building on the sixth floor. Securing the rope at ground level, I went up to the roof, swung the barrel out, loaded the bricks into it. Then I went down and untied the rope, holding it tightly to ensure a slow descent of the 240 pounds of bricks. You will note in block number 22 of the claim form that my weight is 135 pounds. <laughs> Due to my surprise at being jerked off the ground so suddenly, I lost my presence of mind and forgot to let go of the rope. Needless to say, I proceeded at a rapid rate up the side of the building. In the vicinity of the third floor, I met the barrel, which was now proceeding downward at an equally impressive speed. This explains the fractured skull, minor abrasions, and the broken collarbone, as listed in Section 3 Accident Reporting Form. Slowed only slightly, I continued my rapid ascent, not stopping until the fingers of my right hand were two knuckles deep into the pulley, which I mentioned in paragraph two of this correspondence. Fortunately, by this time, I had regained my presence of mind and was able to hold tightly to the rope, in spite of the excruciating pain I was now beginning to experience. At approximately the same time, however, the barrel of bricks hit the ground and the bottom fell out of the barrel. Now, devoid of the weight of the bricks, the barrel weighed approximately 50 pounds. I refer you again to block number 22 regarding my weight. As you might imagine, I began a rapid descent down the side of the building. In the vicinity of the third floor, I met the barrel coming up. This accounts for the two fractured ankles, broken tooth, and severe lacerations of my legs and lower body. But here my luck began to change. The encounter with the barrel seemed to slow me enough to lessen my injuries when I fell onto the pile of bricks, and fortunately, only three vertebrae were cracked. 
I am sorry to report, however, that as I lay there on the pile of bricks, in pain, unable to move, and watching the empty barrel six stories above me, I again lost my composure and presence of mind and let go of the rope. <laughs> the empty barrel, weighing more than the rope, proceeded at a rapid descent down the side of the building, landing on and breaking both of my legs. <laughs> I hope I have finished... Should I be laughing that hard? Should... I hope I have fur furnished enough information to explain why trying to do the job alone was the uh, stated cause of the accident. Now, you read something like that, and you're like, okay, um, you realize that, that most of us, like this guy, we have a problem when it comes to decision-making. Now, you look at him, and you're like, but that guy's an idiot. Like, I would never do that ever in my life. Like, what a moron. Except the problem is, how many times have you made decisions that other people are watching and going, what an idiot. I would never make a decision like that ever in my life. See, it's interesting that we all have a problem in our decision-making, and that is that most of the time our gut instinct, our reflexive decision-making, is off a bit. We get careless in how we process and think. We make decisions in the moment, not paying attention to the long-term impacts of the decisions. Which leads to our spur-of-the-moment thinking is instinctively bent in the wrong direction. Our natural reflex often leads us to the wrong place. And in case you're going, well, no, you know, I got a pretty good gut instinct. You know, I'm pretty good at decision-making. Well, let me just ask you a few questions. How often have you jumped to conclusions without having all the facts? How often have you done that? How often have you built a case against someone and held a grudge? How often have you gotten revenge and gotten... Even How often have you been passive-aggressive towards someone that you didn't like? How often have you taken things personally and, and been easily offended? How often have you acted in selfishness and self-interest and greed? How often were you quick to speak and slow to listen? How often have you spoken out of anger rather than in love? And I will just tell you, as I made that list, I have um, reflexively made every single one of those decisions in my life at some point, and some of those in the last month, some of them in the last week. Why? Why is that? I know those aren't good things to do. Why is my reflexive decision-making so off? Why is our gut instinct so bent in the wrong direction so that it leads to pain for us and pain for others? And this is where Scripture becomes so helpful in helping us understand ourselves because it gives us God's perspective on us and on humanity and why our natural impulse is bent in the wrong direction. In Ephesians, the Apostle Paul, who was a great theologian, wrote a majority of the New Testament. He speaks about our human condition. And he says this in Ephesians 2. He says, Once you were dead, because of your disobedience and your many sins, you used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everybody else. What is Paul saying? Our tendency, our natural impulse, our gut reactions are critically affected by sin. That's what Paul calls it, sin. 
Sin is simple. It's choosing our own way over God's. When we know what God's way probably is and most of the time is, still choosing our own way. And sin doesn't make us bad. According to Paul, it makes us dead spiritually. And so what Paul is saying, when you are dead spiritually in your sins because you are choosing to disobey God, it makes you desire to gratify what he calls the cravings of the flesh. It opens you up to following every passionate desire and inclination of the spiritual na- of the sinful nature that is in you another way he is saying look your instincts your reflexes your impulse your gut is bent the wrong way by nature by your humanity a couple chapters later, Paul speaks again about people choosing to live, apart, live, live apart from God's ways. In Ephesians 4, 19, he says, Having lost all sensitivity, they've given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed. What does he say? Once we lose our sensitivity to what is right and what is God's way, we tend to follow sensuality and greed and make decisions to indulge in those things. Our natural instinct, our gut-level reaction is bent towards sin. So what hope is there for us then? Paul goes on, verse 20, he says, That, living that way, being that way, however, is not the way of life you learned. When you heard about Christ and were taught in him accordance with the truth that is in Jesus You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your mind, the choices that you make, and to put on a new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Paul is saying there is a way to be new in your life, to be new in your thinking, to put corruption behind you and actually be like God in righteousness and holiness. You can actually live a life where you live in righteousness and holiness like God is by doing what? Making a choice. First and foremost is choosing to accept Jesus Christ into your life. If you've chosen to accept Christ into your life, like this is worth celebrating, Uh, over 30 people did at our three Christmas services accepted Jesus for the first time. Isn't that incredible? I just think that's fantastic. And if you are back here from making that decision, welcome back. This is going to be the best year of your life coming up because you have a new power in you that allows you to live out a new life. 2018 can literally be a line drawn in the sand of your life and it will never be like any year prior. So if you've accepted Jesus, you've already done step one. You've made the choice to have a new life. But step two is... Choosing to live the new life that God offers by choosing to live in the Spirit. And when you live in the Spirit, it comes down to choosing the opposite of what your gut instinct is. Choosing the opposite of what your natural inclination tends to be. It's living opposite of your gut reaction. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, let's go back to Paul. He pretty much spells it out right here in Galatians 5. He says, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. When you accepted Jesus Christ, he sent his Holy Spirit to live in you, to give you a power to do just this. Let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the spirit wants. 
And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. Those two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. What is he saying? You will always have to battle to do what the Holy Spirit is guiding and leading you to do. It will always be a battle in your life. And so here's what I want to spend the rest of our time before we get to your word for 2018. And that is this. There is an internal struggle between our flesh and our spirit. Why is that? Because our flesh, our bodies are firmly rooted in this world. We're physical beings. We live on this planet. Our spirits, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, is firmly rooted in who Jesus Christ is. Well, living by the, by the spirit means making the choice to follow our God instinct instead of our human instinct. Living by the Spirit means living contrary to what your gut tells you you should do. It's living contrary or opposite to the human instinct. Because when you're following your God instinct, it is often at odds, like Paul just said. So what I want to do is I want to give us five ways to choose the opposite from our human instinct and make decisions with our God instinct. In other words, how does 2018 become different if, if your decisions uh, it will really dictate how your year goes? It's choosing to follow your God instinct when you make decisions. Um, and so this kind of comes from, it's kind of weird, but it comes from a Seinfeld episode. Anybody Seinfeld fans? Let me hear you, Seinfeld fans. All right, I'm trying to get noise out of you guys, okay? I'm, I'm, I'm going to keep going until you give me noise, right? Okay? So, um, so if you're a Seinfeld fan, there was this one episode where um, George is in the diner one day, and he, he just realizes that every decision he's ever made was always wrong, 100% of the time. And that is why he was living, he was like middle-aged, living at home with no job. Like that's that with his parents, living with his parents. And he just decided in that episode, he's like, you know what? I'm going to do the exact opposite of what I normally would do, and it's got to be better. And so he starts living out the opposite of every gut instinct he has. He, like, he like does the opposite. So what he ends up doing in that episode is he gets the girl, he gets a job, he moves out of his parents' house, and it's like his whole life changes and goes differently until he starts listening to his gut again, and then everything falls back apart. All in a half hour. That's what happens on TV. So with that in mind, I want I to just give us five gut instincts that every one of us tends to have and then give us five ways to choose the opposite. Five ways to, instead of following our human instinct, to follow the God instinct that every one of us, if you're a follower of Jesus, has in you already. And I'm just going to jump in and kind of go fast through these. But here's the first one, five ways to choose the opposite. The first one is we have a natural tendency, most, not all of us, but most of us have a natural tendency to assume the worst. We have a natural tendency, as we choose how to view people in situations, our tendency is to just jump to conclusions and build things up in our minds. As a worst-case scenario, we assume the worst about other people. If anybody's doing something that seems a little shady, we automatically assume they are shady. I don't know if you're like that. I do that. Um, but it's one of those things where we assume people's intentions are bad. We take situations we find ourselves in, and we just assume the worst possible outcome. And so the opposite of that, of that reflex in us, because we tend to assume the worst, is instead give people the benefit of the doubt, extend extra grace, and believe the best. Instead of assume, assuming the worst about other people and in other people, believe the best about people and about situations. Believe the best in others. Even if they let you down, keep believing the best. I had a boss at my last church. This was years ago. And um, 
he was one of those guys that he just believed the best in everybody that he met. And it was unbelievable going into meetings with him because things wouldn't go, go right and things would go wrong in ministry. And I would have my explanations and here's what happened. And let me give you like, here's the bullet points. And this is what he said. This is what she said. This is what's going on. He would just 100% of the time just believe the best that I was trying to do my best and that I was involved in, in, in trying to do the best with the wisdom that I had. And it was unbelievable being around a person like that because it was a gift that he would give by just believing the best in me. Even when he shouldn't have, he still believed the best. It is still, it sticks with me. I want to be like that. I wish I were more like that. But there's a verse that goes along with that. Ephesians 4, Paul is writing. He says in verse 32, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. It's, it's, it's kind and compassionate to believe the best. And when people let you down, forgive them. Now, that doesn't mean don't be wise. That doesn't mean, you know, follow up with people. But it means that initial belief is always believing the best rather than assuming the worst. It's the opposite of what our gut instinct is. Luke 6, 31, do to others as you would have them do unto you. Wouldn't it be nice if someone always believed the best in you? Wouldn't it be nice if you had a boss or a friend or a wife or husband that always believed the best rather than assumed the worst? Just changing that for some of you would change your 2018. It would be a different year by just doing that, choosing the God instinct of believing the best. Now, second choice we often make, a gut instinct we have, is to build a case. We build a case, often under the auspices of, you know, getting along and keeping the peace. We choose not to speak up when people have hurt us. We, uh, we, people offend us, we don't address it with them. But we remember. And we build a case, and we keep score. And what happens when you do that, when that one last straw breaks, we blow up. Any, okay, just a moment of clarity and truth. Anybody here willing to admit that that's kind of your MO? Like, that's your MO. That's kind of how you just roll. I th- thank you. For, thank you for your honesty. Jesus loves you. Okay. <laughs> well, here's the opposite, because that's our, our human instinct really is to build a case against people. Our human instinct is to really remember. Our human instinct is to keep score. And to just use it when we need it. Keep it in our back pocket. Well, here's the God instinct. It's keep short accounts. If our human instinct is to build a case and keep score, our God instinct is to keep short accounts. Deal with things as they come in, as as they come. Don't let people keep a tab on you. Don't keep a tab on other people. Be the first person to extend forgiveness. Be the first person to ask for forgiveness. Because sometimes we know we've angered somebody else and hurt somebody else. And we don't do anything about it. We don't go to them and ask for forgiveness. We just hope that they're going to get over it. And what does that do? That builds a case. It allows them to do that. And the, the, the different way of going about it, the opposite, is to keep short accounts. Jesus speaks into this in Matthew 5. He says, Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar... And there remember that your brother or sister has something against you. Leave your gift there in front of the altar. First, go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. What is he doing? He's putting a priority on. He's saying, do it now. Don't let it sit. Make sure that the ledger is empty between you and everybody else. Keep short accounts. Reconcile with others. To the point where if you're at synagogue in those days, giving your offering, which is a weekly occurrence, 
and you realize that there's a problem between you and somebody else, and you've got, you've got some anger going on between you, or you've got some unfinished business, or there's, a, there's an account that's growing, he says, go take care of it before you come and do that. Don't give me a gift until you're right with other people. And then Ephesians 4.26, Paul says, hey, in your anger, do not sin. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry, and don't give the devil a foothold. He's saying this, when someone makes you angry or someone else angry. Don't build a case. Go work it out. In fact, if someone makes you angry, deal with it that day, if at all possible. Don't let the sun go down before it's dealt with. Why? Because it is possible, if you don't keep short accounts, that, this, that Satan will get in and get a foothold in your life and get a foothold in your relationship. And I will just tell you, for some of you, this is you right now. And your 2018 will not be different than 2017 until this is dealt with. Why? Because Satan has a foothold. And I'm just telling you, when he gets a foothold, he does not stop digging deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper until you begin to keep short accounts. And it is, it's hard to do. I'm not saying, go get it. You know, you can do this. It's hard to do. But why do you think Jesus says, leave your gift on the altar? Right then and there, go. Because he knows what's at stake. So respond in the opposite. Third one that we have a natural tendency to do is we have a natural tendency to get even. When someone hurts us, we have a natural tendency. It only feels right that if someone hurts us, we should, sure, we, we, should, we should hurt them. Someone cuts you off, what do you do? Go get in front of them, you cut them off. You show them who's boss. Someone talks bad about you at work, war. You talk bad about them. You start the rumor mill just back against them. And it's natural. It's really interesting. Um, I have caught my sons off guard. You know, I, I got two boys, and I'm, I'm pretty physical with them just because they're boys, and I like to punch them and mess around with them, and, and uh, we kind of hit each other a lot. Like, I used to just sit, and Travis and I would just wail on each other back and forth. But, you know, as Garrett started getting a little bit older, he's 15 now, I remember last year, it's like I just caught him off guard and just wailed on him, just hit him right in the shoulder, just hard. And his immediate response is he turned back like that and went to go and hit me, and then he realized it was me and not his little brother, and he was like, ooh. But that initial thing was like, bam, you hit me, I'm hitting you back. That's our natural gut instinct, to get even. He'd have hit steel anyways, broke his hand. But here, here's our choice. Here's the, here's the responding in the opposite. It's moving in the opposite spirit. It's moving in the opposite spirit. It's like give when others take. Forgive when others hold on. Compliment when others offend. Jesus, Matthew 5, you've heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. When your, neighbor, when your enemy hates you, don't hate them back. Love them back. Respond in the opposite spirit. He goes on in verse 46. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? If you greet only your own people... What are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? What is Jesus saying? He's like, look, everybody responds in kind to what they're getting from other people. That's our natural human instinct. Love, love back. Hate, hate back. And Jesus says, you respond in the opposite spirit. Be different. Be the opposite of what other people are bringing to you. He says when in Proverbs 15, 1, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. When someone comes at you angry and loud, Respond gently, the opposite spirit. When someone offends you, pray for them, forgive them. If they're mean to you, be nice. If they cut you down, build them up. I love the verse where Jesus says, look, you don't get revenge. I get revenge. 
I'll take care of vengeance. And I'm just like, oh, I bet God's vengeance is way worse than mine anyways, right? Okay, God, you do it. If he chooses to. Because I tell you what, he's given me a whole lot of grace. Hard to do, but with the help of the Holy Spirit, it's possible to move in the opposite spirit. Fourth thing many of us do, our natural instinct, is to take things personally. To take things personally. It's hard to say anything without fear that someone's going to be offended nowadays. We've almost made being offended and bent out of shape a national pastime for our country. Like, that's just kind of what we do. We take things personally. We get wounded. We get hurt. We get angry. We get confused. And oftentimes, when we're offended by somebody, what do we do? Offend back? Well, here's the God reflex is just to refuse to get offended. It's live with an unoffendable heart. Live with an unoffendable heart. Matthew 5, 38. You've heard the law that says the punishment much match the injury, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say don't resist an evil person. If someone slaps you on the right cheek, offer the other cheek also. If you're sued in court and your shirt is taken from you, give your, give your coat too. If a soldier demands that you carry his gear for a mile, carry it two miles. Give to those who ask and don't turn away from those who want to borrow. What is Jesus saying? In a way, just be unoffendable. Don't take things personally. When people offend you, let it roll off your back. Have your identity fully rooted in Jesus Christ so that you won't be defended when people wrong or disappoint you because they will. And so many of us, man, when something happens that we don't like, we take it so personally. And I know this struggle because it's like as a parent, I'll just talk as a parent. It is so difficult when your kids are making poor choices or they're doing things that they're not supposed to do or they're shading the truth and you catch them in those moments. It's so hard to not take that personally like you're doing something wrong, right? It's like, I've just felt like a terrible parent. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm like, Garrett is our guinea pig. Um, like he's just, um, we're figuring stuff out with him. But I just, I just feel like sometimes I take it personally. And I used to really struggle with that until Steve Andrews, he's one of my mentors, founder of Kensington years ago, on this stage was speaking to us. And he was just talking about his kids and how he used to get offended and take it personally when his kids would make mistakes. And he just said something that just freed me from taking my kids' actions personally. He just said, hey, I, I, sometimes I forget that my kids struggle with the same sin nature that I do. My kids have the same problem doing the right thing that I have doing the right thing. It's like we forget that our kids sometimes and other people struggle with sin. What does sin do? Get us to do things that aren't God's way so you can take it personally Or you can realize that everyone else deals with the same sin nature that you do and you can let it roll off your back and live with an unoffendable heart. It is difficult to do, but I'm telling you 2018 will be different if you can live with an unoffendable heart. And then I've got one last one. Our tendency is to live for you or live for me if you want to read it that way. We all have a tendency, a gut instinct to look out for ourselves. And number one, my dad, um, I heard this hundreds of times growing up. My dad would say, el numero uno, because he's Italian. He'd say, el numero uno. I always do his hand like that. I don't know why. Then he would say, you've got to look out for number one. No one else is going to look out for one, number one. You've got to look out for number one. Always, every time. Don't let anybody else walk on you. You walk on them. And my dad would just, he preached that to us growing up. He wasn't a follower of God or anything. But he just, that's what he would teach. Well, Jesus teaches us differently. He just says, look, the opposite of that is instead of powering up, humble yourself. Instead of looking out for your own interests, look out for the interests of others. When you feel yourself wanting to receive, overgive, promote yourself rather than someone else, treat yourself instead of anyone else, then do the opposite. And what's the opposite? Die to self. Die to self. Luke 9, Jesus said, he said to the crowd, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. 
take up your cross daily and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you're going to lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what's the opposite of living for yourself? It's giving yourself away and serving those around you. It's taking care of the needs of the people in your neighborhood. It's, it's, it's serving here. It's giving your life away for a bigger cause. And you will find the life that you're looking for. In choosing to do the opposite, you'll put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. And so it's right here. Ushers, if you guys want to come forward, we're going to receive our offering right here for a very specific reason. Um, every time we do the offering moment, it is an opportunity to die to yourself. Every time we do this moment, it is an opportunity to, to, to say, God, I'm not going to use all my resources for me. I'm going to actually invest some of my resources into your kingdom, into furthering your cause and your mission in the world. And so I love this moment because of what it means for each one of us spiritually. And I want to thank those of you who give regularly online. You're not going to put anything in the basket. So don't give anybody like the evil eye if they don't put anything in, okay? They're probably giving online. And I'll just tell you, as far as year-end giving, this is your last day, okay? This is it. Um, We really do count on a strong December to set us up to begin next year on really strong financial footing. And so for those of you that are giving, thank you for that. It, like, fuels what we're going to be able to do this next year. And so I want to get into now, I want to close our day, and I want you to grab the Sharpie that you were given when you walked in. So go ahead and grab that Sharpie. And if you don't have a Sharpie, raise your hand. Anybody not have a Sharpie? Um, ushers, could you guys bring, a, bring the Sharpies down? I know I'm like making you run. You, okay, you can run. All right. Um, uh, but if you don't have a Sharpie, just raise your hand. They'll bring one to you in the next couple of minutes. But I, want you to, I want everyone to have one. So please make sure you keep your hand up and they'll, they'll throw you one. But the reason you have a Sharpie in your hand is so that you can write on yourself, okay? So I'm going to ask you to write on you and only you, by the way. Not allowed to write on anybody else. Just you. But here's the idea that we want to go for for the next 10, 15 minutes of this service. Is this idea of asking God to give you a word for 2018. A word that's going to be your word. Having one word that you are going to focus on this next year. In light of what we just talked about. In light of having a God reflex. In light of who you want to be this next year. What is one word that God might give you or has already given you? That's going to be your word for 2018. Now, to get you primed for this, I want to take a moment and I want you to watch this video of some people sharing their words um, for 2018. The Lord kind of revealed to me my word at the end of a season of dryness in my life. That's when he kind of came in and just hushed a lot of my fears saying, don't worry, don't fear, you're going to be my witness in 2018. My word for 2018 is witness. Second Corinthians 10.5 says, We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. I'm free to live my life feeling oppressed and depressed by what others think of me, or I'm free to choose to believe what God says about me. My word for 2018 is free. I just recently started Claimer Campus, which is a prayer movement with all the high schoolers. It's been growing rapidly. It's just going to change the lives of so many people. It's going to be huge. My word for 2018 is unforgettable. I chose hope for my word. Hope is the only thing that allows me to continue to live this life. It's the reason why I can have joy in my heart. I realize even if I go through trials or tribulations or struggles or make mistakes or fall, my hope is still in Christ alone. My word for 2018 is hope.
My word for 2018 is intentional. I would like to be intentional with my relationships, with the Lord, with my friends, and with my family. I'd like to be intentional with my time. And if I am intentional, I believe that I can make a difference. My word for 2018 is intentional. When I reflected on 2017, I don't think I experienced a lot of peace. I think following Jesus, we're supposed to have abundant blessings, and peace is one of those. So my word for 2018 is peace. Yesterday uh, morning, I, I kind of took the week off last week, and I sat in my office, and I just... I did this. I just said, okay, God, what's my word? I had actually kind of forgotten that we were going to do this. And so I'm like, oh, I need something. And rather than make it up, I just said, God, I need something from you. And I didn't even know what I was expecting. I just, I just asked. I just sat back in my chair and I said, God, what's your word for me for 18? I'm trusting you that you're going to give me a word. So what is it? And in about two, three minutes of just listening, it filtered through a couple of different words, and then one just stuck. And it was like, that's it. And so I, I wrote it on my hand. It's, it's exponential. Weird word, right? I'm just kind of going exponential. What in the world does that mean? And God just started talking. He said it's exponential growth. It's like I want you to grow exponentially as a man this year. I want you to grow exponentially as a leader this year. I want you to grow exponentially as a father this year. I want you to grow exponentially as a, as a pastor and as a, as a husband. And I just started thinking about that word. And here's the deal. I can grow incrementally by doing nothing because I'm just getting older and with age comes wisdom, right? I can get smarter just because the days are going by and I'm learning from my mistakes. I can grow incrementally without doing, without doing anything. But what God spoke into me yesterday morning is that I want this next year to be about exponential growth in you. I want this next year to be a year where you grow by leaps and bounds this year. You become different than you've ever been in your leadership of your family. It's time, it's time to step up my game. That's what I'm just feeling. It's time to step up and become more in the leadership of our staff here. It's, it's time to step up my engagement with what God is doing here and what God is doing in my life. And Felt like that wasn't all that God had given me that word for of myself. I felt like he was giving me that word for, for us as a faith community, me as the leader of this community. He was just going, hey, I, I want to see exponential growth in, in you guys as a faith community. Because I'll tell you, we can grow incrementally as a church just because people are moving into the area and they drive by the sign and they feel like pulling in. We can grow incrementally, but what would it look like if we were able to grow somehow exponentially in our walks with God? That this year you wouldn't just get a little bit closer to God, you would get drastically closer to God. What would it look like if instead of trying to invite one of our neighbors, we invited our block or we invited dozens of people? What if we made telling the story of Jesus Christ something that we did once a, once a day, once a week, once a month, as often as we can? What would happen to our church and us as a faith community if we grew exponentially? And so I'll just tell you, this is my word. And I've been asking God since yesterday morning and all this morning in my office that God would give you a word that's specific to you, that's for you, that is precisely what you need to hear in the next five minutes. And so this is what we're going to do. These guys are going to sing a song. During that song, I'm going to pray right before they do. I want you to take that Sharpie and I want you to ask God to give you a word. 
you feel like you hit the one, I want you to write it on your hand. And let me just tell you, I saw some people from last service. I'm going to give you a heads up. I don't want any little, little bitty tiny. Write it across your hand. I want you to see this today. And if you don't shower for a few days, for the next few days, I want you to see this word. I want you to have to talk about it tonight if you go to a New Year's Eve party because somebody goes, what in the world is that? But I'm believing for God to give you a word that's going to change 2018 for you and help you move in the opposite spirit this next year. So I want to pray for you and then we're going to sing a song that I want you to listen to the words, but also when that word comes, I want you to write it out. Lord, thank you for this moment at the end of 2017 to just listen to your voice. God, I I pray right now that you would speak loud and clear over the next few moments and that you would give each person in this room a word that you have specifically for them. God, when they get to that word, I pray that you would just give them the strength to, to, to write it on their hand in a way that is unmistakable. And Lord, I pray in advance for that word to be a word that changes 2018 starting today. In your holy name, amen.
invite you to stand up with me. I just want to do something and pray over the word that God might have given you. And even if he didn't give you one yet, keep listening. And maybe you just didn't want to write it down, and that's okay too. But I want to ask you if God gave you a word. If you have a word for 2018, I want you to lift it up over your head. I want to pray for that word. Lord, I pray for every person in here and the hand that they have lifted and the word that they have written on their hand. That is a word from you for 2018. Lord, these are holy words that you have written on us. And Lord, I pray that the word that is written on that hand travels to being written on their heart. I pray that these words that we hold up right now would be words that drive us in 2018 closer to you, to becoming more than we've ever been, to doing the right thing, to becoming the men, the women, the sons, the daughters, the parents that you've always dreamed we could. Lord, may these words drive us to respond in the opposite spirit listening to our God instinct rather than our human one. So God, I thank you for this moment at the end of this 2017 year to look ahead with purpose, to look ahead with focus, to look ahead with a vision of what 2018 could be. And Lord, I thank you in advance for the change that all of us see in who we are and what we become because of what we've written on us today. In your holy name. Amen. Now, we want to we wanna close our day um, just by singing a song together. And, and we're running a little bit late. I couldn't stop flapping my jaws. I'm sorry. I apologize for that. But I just want us to finish out 2017 singing a song together that's just called No Longer Slaves because 2018 will be a year of freedom for many of us. And I'm praying that for you. So let's sing this with all of our hearts and, uh, and, and walk out of here full of who God is and what God has in store for us. So I'll turn it over to you guys. Surrounds me with song of deliverance from my enemies till all my fears are gone. Well, I'm no longer a slave to fear.
hey, you have finished your year well already, just by being here. Um, And I hope that the beginning of tomorrow is a great new day for you that is going to just be different than this last year. And so as you walk out of here, 
Um, there's a couple people here that would love to pray with you if you have any needs. And next week, we're starting a series that is going to be life-changing and life-altering for many of us because we're going to be diving into those desires and drives that we just can't seem to say no to. And how do you gain victory in your life over the things that drag us down? And it starts next week, and it's going to be phenomenal. Um, and so with that, you guys, on your way out, would you please throw your Sharpies in the little bin there? Because, like, I stole those from all of our staff members, and they're going to get mad at me if I don't give them back. Um, but anyways, have a great rest of your day, and uh, start the year off right tomorrow. Take care.